G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. There's a saying growing in popularity that says, a man is not a financial plan. Have you heard that saying? Well, uh, this hour, it's an opportunity to go beyond that if that has been your financial plan as a woman. We're going to be talking about women and financial independence today. Helen Baker is an accredited financial advisor. She's helping women to flourish financially. Her past has been shaped by experiences in the entertainment industry, putting her financial and project management nous to work for music managers and inventors who wanted to commercialise their products. And Helen loves financial planning and your opportunity today to interact with Helen. And uh, Helen uh, is taking calls. We'll take questions and comments today. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Helen Baker, welcome along to 2020. Thank you for having me. Helen, we're going to talk about women and finances today, but let's talk about women in general. That whole idea of, uh, you know, having a man is not a financial plan. Is this something you come across when you're running seminars, when you're talking to women about finances, your observation about Australian women and the way they've treated their own financial security? Yeah, but I think that what's happened is women have evolved a lot. So it's it can be generational in the sense that, former generation, generally they were stay-at-home mums, they didn't have careers, Um, the husband used to um, go out and and the work and bring it back home and the money would be distributed for housekeeping. So they generally made all the financial decisions. And what we're seeing now in my generation and then the the new generation that's coming through is women have their own careers now, Um, they're talented people who are out there doing things that they want to do, even home businesses and excellent things that they're able to use their talents for, which means that they have the ability then to manage their finances themselves. And we have the number of issues. If you are working, generally women still earn less than men for the same type of jobs. The gender gap has has closed a lot more, but it still apparently exists and has a fair way to go. Um, we outlive men, so I think they get tired of us nagging and then they go a bit earlier. <laughs> so we're, we're around a bit longer. And the issue being that if you look at a man earning, earning say, $100,000 a year and, and a, a woman that's earning $50,000 a year, 9.5% of super on both of those going away, obviously the man is going to be way more money just on that basis. But if you think of that compounding over time, then obviously they've got way more money than the women do. And these are the issues that women face, particularly if they've dropped out of the workforce to have children or and then gone back to work part-time. Very difficult to get a CEO job two days a week. So That's one of the major issues, isn't it? Because if you're going to have a family and if you want to devote time to your family, then that's going to keep you out of the workforce or out of a business career and it does slow you down. So that means... 
for some who might be thinking, well, that means I pay less attention to my finances, but I'm sure you're about to say that's the reason why you have to pay more attention to your own financial security. I think so. And I think about being very wise. We talk about planning and life does what life does, but there is an element of planning and getting on the front foot. Um, I talk about three C's, which is clarity, uh, control and certainty. And then, you know, you know, then if you've got a path and a plan around things that when something comes along, you're not totally shaken by it. One of the biggest problems I think people do today is kind of put their head in the sand and think it'll be okay, or I'll deal with it later. But you really need to tackle it because it's a it's actually empowering to do so. Who has their head in the sand the most? Uh, I'm assuming that single women who may be more career-minded uh, are not the ones with their head in the sand, and perhaps younger women are more aware now than older women were, as you say. Yeah, generationally, this is different. But I imagine uh, the woman who feels a little secure in herself now Perhaps her husband is uh, one of the is the major um, uh, breadwinner, and she's perhaps earning the minor uh, wage in her uh, employment. Perhaps she's paying less attention than she needs to be. Probably because again, if you look at the household, there's a lot going on there, particularly if children are involved. And what we see is that you know things get delegated. So someone might be cooking the dinner, someone might be doing the school run, someone might be doing the sport drop off and then someone's picking up the finances and sometimes the two are not knowing, you know, they're not talking about it. Um it's just delegated away. So I think being informed about what's going and working together is the old two heads are better than one, I think. And of course you've got insecurities that come from uh, the lack of uh, security in jobs, uh, the changes that are happening financially, even you know even global pressures that are happening on issues mm. here in Australia. Uh, you've got issues with family breakdown that happen more frequently than they used to. Uh, this sort of thing creates insecurity and I guess uh, all the more reason why financial security and some level of plan is going to be necessary. Absolutely. And I think women by nature are wired for security. Generally, men are, are focus on their ability to provide. Women are wired for security. So if we start to feel disoriented because, you know, finance is not sorted out or we don't feel like we're in control or so on, then it actually makes us quite restless. And then it affects the whole family and affects everything. And then you see women withdraw and then very quickly, it's a, a slippery slope for things such as divorce, unfortunately, because it sort of gets out of control and the damage has already been done. So getting on the front foot and being preventative is really important because at the end of the day, it is only money and your marriage is way more important than money. Well, that's an interesting point to raise because if you are financially uh, inept, uh, not capable, uh, not doing the responsible things with finances, you're actually going to be placing pressure on your marriage and on your family. So uh, for women, uh, and it is for men too, but we're talking about the context of women today. If women have got their financial uh, nous, that savvy, uh, all worked out, it's going to do good for their marriage. It's going to do good for their children. Their family is going to flourish because of a woman's capacity to uh, manage finances. Yeah, I think that's 100% correct because if you just remove that away from being a topic that creates problems, um, you'll be better for it. And I think a lot of people think financial planning is for the rich. Um, I don't think it is. I think it's about enabling people to 
get wealthier and manage their money in in line with their goals and values. And everyone's goals and values will be different. But I think as Christians, um, our values are really more God-centered. And I know from another advice I was talking to was talking about how we've always been very God-centered and then the other things sit around the edges, whereas as society's deteriorated, we've become less God-centered and we've been more me-focused. And then we're on this journey of trying to keep up with the Joneses and, you know, where can we get money from it? And we don't, people often don't care about where they get it from. It's very greed-focused as opposed to um, God-centred values where we don't necessarily need lots of things. And the journey of keeping up with the Joneses just really leads to a lot of unhappiness, I think. Let's talk about Christian women and perhaps in the context of we comparing Christian women to a broader context of, you know, women in the general community who might not be aligned with church, who might not be followers of Christ in the way that we might understand that. Uh, Is it different for Christian women? Have you noticed anything about the way Christian women think about finances compared to uh, women in the wider community? I think women in general are very giving, so they're often to will be more about others than they will be themselves. So they, if you look at um, situations, mothers in particular, they will do they will offset something for themselves, like maybe not buy themselves those shoes or something like that, so that the child can be taken care of. But the other thing I think is certainly in Christian women, there's a dedication to trying to give back to others in some way. It might only feel like it's small, but again, you know, those big things with a lot of people putting in small amounts makes a big difference everywhere, which is kind of what we tried to do with the book. Well, we're taking calls this hour. You might like to interact with our special guest. Our guest is the author of a book called On Your Own Two Feet. Helen Baker is with me in the studio and we are taking calls on 1-800-316-316. You might have a question, you might have a comment, but 1-800-316-316, our talkback line is open. Let's take a call from Joan in Victoria. Hello, Joan. Welcome along. Oh, hi, how are you? Very well. Joan, what are your thoughts? I just I just think a lot about um, women in particular that have been out of the workforce for a very long time. Um, I know myself, I've been out of the workforce for nearly 14 years now. I've just been a, a stay-at-home mum, basically, and we're on a one-income family. Um, how does, um, like some women, are obviously, once they, they wait until their children are much, much older before they re-enter into the workforce, how then... Um, would be the best way that they could prepare if they're not actually earning any money, they haven't actually got an income themselves to actually sort of prepare themselves and get that finance behind them. Like, I, I know a lot of people would be like going, well, how do I do that? I don't have an income. Um, yeah, what, what advice do you have? Great question. That's uh, You're certainly not alone, Joan. There's lots of people with those kind of questions and I think what I think is really great today is that we have the opportunity to be very flexible with working and generating income. So we can work remotely. uh, We could start our own online business. We could be savvy about using things like eBay um, to sell things that you don't need anymore to generate some income. There's lots of different ways that you can sort of subsidize the income if that's important to you. The main thing to do through this period, and I say, sort of talk about this in the book, that 
you know, having the children and stay at home mum is not a forever thing. And I think we need to be kind to ourselves if we make a decision to stay at home and look after children and enjoy that time because time is precious and it does go. And when they're at school, it's probably a different story and you can dedicate more time. The biggest thing to do is to avoid debt and avoid getting yourself in over your head because that's just going to put pressure on um, down the track. So I would say really enjoy the time. And if there are other things that you can do, maybe one day a week or prepare yourself. And I just say one other thing on that is a lot of people say, oh, I really don't know what to do. Um, to me, it's kind of simple. It's like, what do you find really easy to do? So what's your talent and what do you love? And then for me, one-on-one makes two in terms of where do you pursue what you do next? And it can be a career change because you've had a little bit of a time out and it could be a good thing to try something new. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. Welcome. Joan from Victoria, thank you so much for your input today here on 2020. one 316 If you'd like to join in our conversation today, our special guest is Helen Baker. She's the author of a book called On Your Own Two Feet, Steady Steps to Women's Financial Independence. And uh, you might not be a woman. You can still participate in our conversation today. But certainly if you are a woman and you'd like to run a question or a scenario by our guest, you're welcome to our talkback line open on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. 316 Let's hear from Wayne in Cairns. Hello, Wayne. Welcome along. Oh, top of the morning. How are you? Very well, Wayne. What are your thoughts on uh, on our topic today? Yeah, I'm uh, interested in um, trying to get a, a good financial plan, and uh, I do not, I do own a property, and I was hoping to um, either rent that to re to uh, rebuy or mortgage, um, maybe mortgage it, I think, and um, pay up the mortgage from the rent. And I was just wondering about the best way about going about doing that about the mortgage plan. Uh, let's hear from Helen. So the mortgage part of it is something that you can probably discuss with a mortgage broker. So you probably need the combination between um, the financial advisor and the mortgage broker working together to find you what is the right solution. So it'll be interesting to see what other things you have around for financial support, such as, you know, superannuation. And then we look at things like how old you are, uh, what is it that you're trying to achieve and so on, and then trying to put the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle together that gives you the best outcome. So it's probably worth making an appointment with someone that you think is safe to deal with and someone that you can trust. Oh, you can't trust anyone. <laughs> you're lucky to have one good friend in your lifetime, especially when you got money. I had $280,000. You should have seen how much I had then. But yeah. I haven't, I haven't got any now, but I mean, um, sorry to judge anyone. I'm just looking for the good in everyone. But uh, mortgage brokers, they want, um, uh, you know, it's four or $500 just to talk to them as well. Well, there are some out there that don't. And if you wanted to contact us, Wayne, I'm happy to connect you with some people that may be able to um, help move you along and they don't charge upfront fees for the mortgage broking advice. So if that's uh, of any help. I don't mind paying something, but I'm not paying two or $300 just to get advice. Um, I, I, uh, I've got an idea, like that's how people make money. They, um, they buy a house and then rent it out and um, use the income to pay the rates and the mortgage. That's how they sort of get along, I think. But I was just wondering, um, I'm sort of stuck in the moment because I want my children to um, repay the mortgage instead of paying rent. That's the idea. Because I've got two children. I want a mortgage and then give them the uh, mortgage to repay. 
Well, you could certainly use take advantage of that on the basis that if they're the ones who are renting the property, that you get a, a kind of a win-win there. You know that the tenants are going to look after the property and so on. I think the trick with property is just making sure the cash flow is there. So you've probably heard about the words negative gearing, which means essentially that all the costs associated with that investment are more than the money that you get in. And so the danger with that is it puts pressure on the cash flow. If we don't have the cash flow to support the gap, then we put ourselves under pressure and sometimes we can be forced to sell the asset, which is never a good position to be in. So I think it's about doing things wisely, seeking the advice that you need that's very appropriate to your specific situation and um, being very wise with, with those decisions that you make. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson, a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Good to have you along with us, the Friday edition of 2020. We're talking with the author today of a book called On Your Own Two Feet. And we're talking about women and financial security. You can be part of our conversation, 1-800-316-316. We'll take a call in just a few moments. I picked up from your book, Helen, you're a collector of shoes. You've got a friend who's got as many as a 100 pairs of shoes. I'm not sure if her name might be or her nickname could be Imelda uh, for uh, that whole uh, Philippine connection. But uh, your book says... You have 48 pairs of shoes. Has that number gone over 50 yet? It probably has. Probably more in (laughs) trainers at the moment because uh, I had a foot injury last year and I've been only allowed to wear trainers for the last 12 months until it's been healed up. So I've been avoiding shoes. I didn't even dare go into shops because I was like, I'll see something I like and I can't wear them. So (laughs) the funniest part was one of the pairs I went to put on recently when my foot's got better is with the glue, it had just actually fallen apart. So, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah. high heels and finances today. You can be part of our conversation on 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call from Bernadette in South Australia. Hello, Bernadette. Welcome along. Oh, hi there. Yes, I, I was interested to hear about the financial, you know, like because my situation's changed where I was. I'm an old woman and I was with my husband, so we just had the one salary and that split up, and now I'm trying to work out a financial plan to be wise. Um, I was in the workforce. I'm not now. I'm doing volunteer work. I've got certificates and everything. I'm basically living on savings, but uh, I've invested some money, and I just wanted some advice about, like, I don't know, whatever she thinks would be good. Um, yeah, some positive suggestions, because, I'm try- I, like I said, I'm not in any debt. I don't know anyone anything. I pay all my... Everything, I don't know, bank card, anything, you know, it's, um, clearing debts and paying things as they come along. But I just, just for the future, you know, with what's happening, what I can do, if there's anything else I can do to um, get finances, it would, um, yeah. Sure. So, Bernadette, do you have your own home or are you renting? No, I'm actually renting. Yeah. Okay. Did you have your own home when you were married? I did first off both of us did but then that all disappeared and both of us were renting and I just I just had to leave because of our family breakdown which is really sad yes. so that's been dealing with all that as well um I have got some money a small amount invested but I don't want to live off unconscious that that's going to last for a short time and um so yeah and I'm out there trying to get work and the thing is I'm over 60 so 
Um, it's another challenge. I'm qualified and I've got all these certificates and everything, but I am a little bit older, so I've got the challenge of, even though they say there's no discrimination, well, I'll <laughs> yeah. to someone younger. So there's some challenges there. But um, like I said, I've qual- I'm qualified. I've got these certificates. It's just... Um, so with your certificates, Bernadette, is there any chance that you could do what you're doing for yourself so you can be your own employer and employ yourself rather than having to seek out somebody else putting you on? I guess what I really want to do is work with young people and I've really tried where I'm living to get into that. I had a lot of shut doors and I've done aged care and disability. I've done work with small children, aged care, disability, all those things. Um, but I just really want to work with young people. Like one-to-one, I just have a good rapport with young people. Well, I think um, it's great that you've identified what your niche is because for mm-hmm. so many people, they actually don't even know what they want to do yeah. or what, well, what they're good at. So you've identified yeah, I've, that. I've, done, I've, done, I've, worked, I've worked on the phone line with, with Lifeline, you know, done counselling. And, you know, like I've done everything by bus. I've, had, had no, I've been overseas twice. I've been to North Korea, China, um, Israel, <laughs> and... Uh, by myself. Um, well, I would, think, I would think with something like that, you have yeah. a couple of different avenues. One is this is something that you could set up for yourself where you could have um, an ongoing arrangement where you see people privately or you assist them private, privately. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what you need to have in place in, in order to do that, but it's something possible there. You can mm-hmm. um, mix up some part-time work doing that with some other part-time work if that helps to accelerate your position. Yeah. Um, you could look at going to some networking places or things like that where – because a lot of things where, where these days are the – ne- what, what, When you say networking places, whereabouts would, would you – yeah, I would just do the old Google really and just look at uh, networking groups because I think most things happen these days by people knowing people is the easiest way to get in. And mm-hmm. you're right in that there still seems to be a stigma. I mean, for me, I think somebody who's 60, I think fantastic. They're going to be there for 10 years or so because they'll mm. they'll keep on working. So that's actually a good con- thing. I think a lot of it too is confidence. Like I've had one, you know, with the after 30 years of marriage, bang, that's all crash. Well, that's a huge confidence crash. And having to restart my life and refocus and re... I am. I'm regrouping and everything. And I've been doing volunteer work. And uh, no problem with that. <laughs> I've got heaps of that. But I really want to get into the paid workforce. And um, so, yeah, and, and just... <clears throat> I'm, I'm just going to keep... And I'm believing, excuse me... I'm thinking the Lord who took me to North Korea twice and China and Israel, well, nothing's too hard for him. You Agree. Know, like, yep, definitely. And, I, and, I, and he, he did tell me to take the limitations off me, so I'm doing that. Um, I have to keep kicking fear off because it's like I'm, look, I'm trying not to look at my savings. I don't want to live. I don't want to just eat away on that. You know, I, I want to be able to get out there and just – I am no I'm contributing anyway, but sometimes I also feel a stigma because I'm, I'm renting – um, even in the Christian community, because I'm single, just it's just a lot of things I'm having to work through, and I am. I'm not focusing on it, but it's too challenging. But I know I'll overcome those those things. So it's just basically confidence building again. I think through a lot of the challenges I've been facing, and I know, and I know God can get me through it. But um, is there any practical? And I am watching dead. I'm trying not to overspend on. I'm only buying what I really need to buy, and I'm. <clears throat> Did you, you say know, you're in Adelaide, Bernadette? 
not really want to. I, I mean, I live in South Australia. I don't want to say the area. I need yeah, to have that's okay. Use, that's all. I live but in there South is a, a friend of mine who it has started a church down there. And um, if you want to email me through, I'll give you the details. And it could be worth you just touching base with them, help you. They'll help you along with the confidence side of things, I think, and then work together and pray it through with you that those doors open for the most appropriate role for you. Okay, so what would the email address? What was your name again, dear? Sorry. I'm Helen Baker. Helen, Helen, what, what's your email address? Dear? If you just log on to the website on onyourowntwofeet.com.au. Yeah. It's on your, your own, own feet.com.au. And just send me an email through from there and I'll do my best yeah. to help you with some connections. And okay. Bernadette, Bernadette, Neil here, let's take a moment, if you don't mind, if uh, if I pray for you. Is that okay? Yeah, that's really good. I just want to share a positive thing about a woman, a, a, a godly woman who's going through some challenging times. And do you know what she's doing? This is to encourage other women out there. She's in some, living in a challenging situation. She's got parsley growing on a property, right? And she's approached the stores and they're taking a parsley. Mm. Okay. Isn't that awesome to hear things mm. like that in the middle right. of... It is. Good things can happen. Bernadette, let's take a moment. I'm going to pray for you a short prayer, but uh, we're going to ask God uh, to bring an intervention into your circumstances so that some of those things where you've got a crash in confidence can be filled with hope and a positive outlook for where you're heading. Let Let me lead us in prayer. Thank you, Neil. Loving God, we thank you for Bernadette. We ask, Lord, for your intervention into her circumstances, Bernadette Lord, like so many who've gone through a marriage breakdown, a crash in confidence, Lord, our prayer is that you reinstate that hope and that excitement about life. Lord, that you'll give her a clarity for her future, a plan, Lord, that you will work with her in uh, to sort things through and to get things back on track. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much. I, I, I was, it was encouraging. Thank you. Bernadette, Bernadette, thank you so much for joining us today. one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. If you'd like to join in our conversation today, you might have a scenario that you'd like some comment on today. Uh, our special guest is Helen Baker, the author of a book, On Your Own Two Feet, and it's all about women, steady steps to women's financial independence. Now, we're a couple of minutes out from news. Uh, Helen, uh, I'm sure that Bernadette's story is is fairly common because uh, uh, people, women, have gone through a marriage breakdown, you know, families uh, perhaps uh, not so uh, altogether. You're in your 60s. Uh, your savings is dwindling. Uh, this is actually a very, very uh, scary time, I imagine, for a lot of women. It's very interesting. The age 60, the amount of clients that I have for around that 60 age group is quite enormous. And it's one of the most exciting parts for me to work in in that demographic because there are things that you can do at 60 that you can't do at other at younger ages and so if people are working and employed we can be really smart with their money so I talk about stretching your money so if you just throw your arms out as far as you can stretch them and you think that's what I earn but then I lose this amount with tax and this on costs or fees in my super or whatever it is, and then I only have this little bit left. So if we can push back taxes, instead of paying those taxes, they go towards you, then that's a great way to stretch your money further. And that's the benefit of being actually over 60. So the amount of ladies who come at that age or even 65, 67 and say, 
I wish I'd seen you 10 years ago, and I think, I wish you did too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is a sense, isn't there, you can get a woe is me, I'm growing older, but in the context of lifespans these days, 60 is not that old. Is is that the case? It's absolutely true because we're supposed to live now for women up until 89. So it's quite a long way, and, and as you know, they're pushing us out to work until age 70 before we can receive any age pension, so if we can even get any... <laughs> What are your thoughts on the current young generation, say teenagers into their 20s and 30s? Uh, are they particularly aligned with any thoughts about money? I think there's a lot of pressure on the 20 to 30-year-olds. So a lot of people wanting to buy their own houses or look towards that. And, and there's a massive gap there between the affordability. It used to be about three times your salary was um, uh, the equivalent of purchasing a house. And now it's six so it's significantly different. So it's a, I think it's a prospect that people are daunted by. Parents are wondering whether they should gift money to children to get them started. But the reality at the other end of the spectrum is that uh, the parents actually need that money for themselves because, again, we're living longer. There's not enough put away in just in superannuation. So I think all around there's a lot of pressure on finances. Let's also talk about the difference in the way that men might be thinking about finance and if there's you know differences that you might have observed even in a younger generation today uh, compared to older generations. But men and women typically think differently about finances. Is it just because of the way the culture has evolved over the last couple of centuries or uh, what are your thoughts on the differences men and women? I think that... Um and I, I will disclose that I think guys are great and they work in the office with me and I'm kind of where I am today having worked with some of the guys. So I, certainly not um, thinking that anyone is better than others, but I just think women talk differently. So women tend to focus less on whether you've got a 5% return or a 7% return or what they look for is how this relates to them fulfilling their obligations to themselves or to their family and going back to that issue of security. So one of the things that I created is the five foundations that I think are, you know, if you build a house, you always put foundations down first before you build on top, otherwise it'll fall down. So I t I've worked out probably five foundations, again, where people can get control over those things and feel secure about those and you can do you need to do those at every age and then you modify them based on what your financial position is like if that makes sense okay let's talk some more about these foundations do the foundations differ when you're in the 20s to 30s bracket or 30 to 40 40 to 50 50 to 60 and then you're getting into uh, uh, those uh, ages uh, approaching retirement I think they, the amounts associated with those foundations would change over time. So if you think the first one's just an emergency fund, so a lot of people don't have money sitting aside just in case something happens, like good or bad. I mean, you could have a child that suddenly makes a team that they're travelling overseas with and you want to go, but you don't have that money. So your choice is credit card or using your mortgage a bit like an ATM or um or just not, not going. The other thing is to plan for, we talked before about security with jobs. If people are made redundant or they lose their jobs, having an emergency fund to fall back on is really important. Over the decades of different lifespans, that will probably change because you will, as you get older, in theory, you should have more assets around you. You should have paid your mortgage off. 
Uh, you have less debt around those kind of things and less obligations as well to little ones probably. So everybody needs them. Uh, it's just a matter of what is appropriate for you. And again, that goes back to how we're wired for security. So some people are happy with a couple of thousand dollars. I have one lady who has $35,000 as her emergency fund because that's what makes her feel safe. Uh, let's talk about uh, women and uh, the idea of uh, of uh, uh, you were telling me a story just a, a short while ago of when the uh, understanding of money finally kicks in because sometimes uh, there's that thought that goes through our mind is that uh, I've never understood finance. I don't understand money. I've given that up. Uh, my husband is the one who does all of that. I don't understand it. And you've almost talked yourself into uh, the idea that you'll never understand money. And, of course, uh, finance can be quite complex, but uh, there is a point at which you have to actually take the bull by the horns uh, and actually get an understanding or start with something that will help you to build on that understanding so that you can take control of your financial future. Absolutely. And at On Your Own Two Feet, one of the things that I really am passionate about is trying to get the client to understand. So I don't like a client moving forward to do anything unless they really understand the concepts that are in there. So the example that we were talking about was um, the gentleman, the husband was 70 and his wife is 67 and she had always allowed him to take care of the finances. And now it's really planning for the future. And one of the reasons many of the men bring their wives in is because they feel like if something happens to them, they want their wife to be with somebody who they can trust and feel safe and have a relationship with so that we don't baffle them with science, but we actually help them. And we do our meetings in stages and increments of learning as we go. And this lady, uh, when we got up to the meeting, the third meeting, we talk about investment philosophy. So that's understanding about things like shares and property and how your soup is invested, which a lot of people really struggle to understand because it's very jargony. And the way that I explained it, I'm a big drawer of diagrams to try and help it be understood. And the lady said that she actually understood that for the first time in her whole life, how that was. And now she's jumped on board and she's participating in the conversation a lot more and feeling certain about her future. And that's what it's about. It's empowering to see somebody who... Um, isn't going to be taken for a ride by someone who's binding them with science. It's like they're actually involved and in control and understanding what everything means for them, and that excites me a lot. Sometimes we're faced with a variety of investment options, and all of those investment options need a whole lot of understanding, a little bit like what you're talking about. So if you understand all of a sudden the penny drops and you have a glimmer of light understanding something to do with shares, stocks trading, uh, but uh, but you... You know, there are other options of, uh, you know, investing in property and and all sorts of other investment ideas. I guess you've still got to start with one, understanding it, and then grow your understanding of how you might operate financially if you're going to become an investor. Totally. I think understanding how it fits, and I think um, there's always the question about, oh, should I invest in property or should I invest in shares? Um the thing with both of those is that they're both great hedges against inflation. They are, they will move up and down. I know a lot of people think, oh, the property market will always go up, but it doesn't actually. It moves around as well, just like share prices move around. But the differences, the key differences is that property is not liquid 
and shares are. So I kind of like it if people have both because they serve different purposes at different times. You know, if you needed $10,000 in a hurry, you can't sell off a bedroom. You have to sell the whole house. But having other investments that are liquid that you can get get to in, in the case of a need or or just on the basis that you're retiring and you want to draw down on some money, um, you know, having all those smarts around different kind of investments, diversification, I think, is key. We talk a lot about risk management and diversification is a massive way to protect everything that you've got. It's a great risk protector. Sometimes when we talk about finance or what may be running through some people's mind, if we're talking about finance, you're just talking about getting wealthy. You're just talking about getting rich, having more of an abundance than you actually need. Is there a good way to think about, I mean, when we talk, I guess, in the context of security, it's getting what we need and perhaps a little more to be able to be generous. But uh, when you think about finance, I guess it's different for every individual, but what are your thoughts on where a generally good place to be might be with your hopes and aspirations for a financial future? It's a great question because I think number two in our foundations is what I call a spending and an investment plan. So we are going to spend money. We are going to buy shoes. We are going to put petrol in the car, go on holidays. All those things are realistic groceries, pay the bills. What we need to do is have a little bit left over in which to do some investing on the side because if you imagine wherever you are from an age perspective, you've got until say 65 or 70 to stop work and then whatever you've accumulated by that stage has to get you through another 20 or or 30 years. So it needs to be significant amount of money, which is where all this pressure comes on. So the benefit of putting something away bit by bit by bit for a long time will serve you much better than sort of doing crazy things at the end and panicking. That's where people get caught, I think, and get trapped. Um, They get scared and then they start investing in things that are probably not appropriate for them at that age um, and not something that perhaps they can service. So I think the spending and the investment plan is key to enabling people to build for their future. In terms of what I think is a good value, I struggle with the fact that that scripture that says, you know, the love of money is the root of all evil. So it doesn't say money is the root of all evil. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. And I think as Christians, we generally have a heart for others as well. So I think what I find with Christians is in their spending plan, there is something where they're giving to something, whether it's world vision or in our case, the money from the book goes to buy kids out of sex trafficking. It's something because I feel like if you look at the Joneses, you will feel like you it's a it's a never ending wheel of just a mouse on a wheel going around and around. There's always somebody better off than you. But if we actually look at our who's actually worse off than us, we'd be surprised how many people and a little thing could make such a big difference in someone's life who's less fortunate than us. And I think we have a responsibility to do something for someone else as well. Let me ask you about how you change your thinking about finances. And we're talking about women and financial security and all of the things that can go wrong and all of the things that need to be in place to actually make uh, that transition through your life stages, uh, right through to retirement, right up till the day that you die, when I have those things in place. How do you change your thinking if you know that you know, and if you're if you're honest and you can do a sort of a self assessment about where you are, you might be able to say, "Well, 
I'm really in need of a major change or I'm going to be high and dry or I'm going to be uh, left uh, uh, in languishing into my older years. How do you change your mindset and think about these sorts of things? I think, we, again, that mindset of actually getting your head out of the sand. The, I had one lady the other day who came for an appointment and she was a, a bit late and she at the end of the meeting she said, wow, that was so different to what I expected. And she said, I'm sorry I was late. It was actually um, deliberate in myself because I was scared to come in. I'd never seen a financial advisor before and I thought it would be really judgmental and she's she was encouraged by it. And that's the concept is that everybody leaves with hope and encouragement about whatever their situation is to make it better than it was before. The, the degree will vary. What people need to do based on their situation will vary. But we need to have people taking control. That control certainty um, is really important, I think, for going forward. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. We're talking through some steady steps to women's financial independence, a book called On Your Own Two Feet. The author of that book is Helen Baker. She's our guest this hour. We are taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Helen, let's take a call from Sue in Geraldton in Western Australia. Hello, Sue. Welcome along to 2020. Thank you, Neil. And thank you, Helen, for taking my call. Um In my situation, I'm about 10 months off retirement age and I've always worked towards financial independence. I just don't know right now, um, as the economy is sort of going down, I have two houses, one that I would like to sell right now, but because they're going below, you know, um, cost sort of thing, um, I don't know whether to try and keep working a little bit longer, but I have a physical job. I work 20 hours a week. Um, I have a physical job and my body's starting to feel it. So I really wanted to know what to do. Um, I was going to try and sell one house and live in the other and uh, live on that money. I won't get a pension at this stage because I've got too much in assets. Um, I probably need to get your book back. Can you just give me some (laughs) advice, (laughs) please? I think it's a great question. Um, Ten months off retirement, congratulations, that is fantastic. And good that you yeah. probably have built up a lot of assets that even though we feel like we don't get the pension, it means that we've done a, a good thing along the way and we've built up a bit more. The key for retirement is really about the liquidity. So where is the ongoing income going to come from given that if you're not going to get a pension? And this is where the decisions around the house um is probably important. So my general take on a house is unless you're forced to sell um, and it can pay for itself, then it's, and it works with everything else that you've got. It could be good to hang on. We talked before about property being a great hedge against inflation um, and just allowing you time to, to sell when it, another time might be appropriate. So it needs to work in with everything else that you've got. And generally what I would do in something like this, we go through our normal process, but I would do some modeling scenarios of what it would look like if you did this on that and that. And then again, you can see those scenarios. You can make an informed decision about what's right for you. And again, what makes you feel right. Sometimes it's not always a monetary decision, but if we have debt hanging over our head or something on a property, we can't sleep at night. That's always a good test. They say the sleep at night factor 
um, yeah. can sometimes be, you know, what is right for you at that point in time. So I think it's great that you've got choices. It's just a matter of working out what those options could be, what's most appropriate for you. That's right. Is there anyone in Perth or Western Australia that I could contact by phone? It's interesting, yeah. isn't it? I have this question a bit with the remote uh, clients yeah. or because I'm based in Brisbane, but um, yeah. I do service Australia-wide. So you're very welcome to touch base um, and we can see what we can do to help you. I don't actually have people around. Um, and yeah. Neil and I were just talking about this before, that there's actually not that many female financial advisors around. Um, That's right. It's kind yeah. of... You want to, they're the ones you can trust. <laughs> we Poor Neil. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, I think that's one of the things. I always joke that we, uh, when I go to the conference, I never have to queue for the ladies' toilet. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. So if, now, the other, the other thing was, you know, it said in the Bible something about leaving inheritance for your children. Um, I don't know where it is, but, um, my children are okay, but it's the grandchildren I worry about. Now, even if I give money away, if I sell a house and I give money away to them, it is going to affect me because I'm going to have to just support myself if I give up work. Um, so I'm really, really, you know, and I really want to go to the mission field as well. So it's a really hard decision. I just would love, I missed the boat with selling the house a couple of years ago, but um, yeah, I know it is hard. It's It's my decision. I have options. I don't have debt. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's a great question too. Because um, one of the things I talk about in the book is is a thing called testamentary discretionary trust. So a lot of people have not heard of those. They've heard about trusts, but not the ones that come via will. So gifting money to children, sort of, if it wasn't now, if it was down the track, um, children are allowed under eighteen to earn a whopping four hundred and sixteen dollars a year on interest or an investment, and then they get to pay sixty six percent tax. And then it drops a bit to 49. So gifting money to children through those avenues, there's better ways to do that, which goes back to that where I was talking about stretching money further. Um, if we can reduce some of the tax that we'd have to pay, then that money will go a lot further. So again, in relation to your situation, you've got the option of gifting money to the grandchildren in a very smart way and a protected way. So we talk about keeping that money in the bloodline in case someone does um, divorce down the track, that you want to be able to keep that money for your children or your grandchildren. Um, but if you're looking at gifting something now, I'd probably, I'm of, I know what you're saying about that scripture in the Bible, I know what it is, but I'm just concerned, I get very concerned that people gift money away when they can't really afford to, because at the end of the day, who will look after you if it goes? And you will probably still have your own house um, down the track that you will gift. So there would be an inheritance to leave. Um, and this, Neil, we were talking about before how women are different. This is a very key one where women will try and gift money to their family where it's actually to their own detriment if they don't have enough. And um, it's a beautiful thing, but it's also, it can be a little bit bad for you. So. Okay, yeah, at this stage, yeah, I haven't got any liquid income to live on, so I would be best to keep it, um, you know, what I've got. Um, but, yes, that would be a good idea that it just be gifted when in my will, yes. Sue, great to hear from you, and thank you so much for calling and being part of 2020 today. And time is running out. Time has run out. <laughs> 
Uh, let me just draw attention to the book we've been talking about. And Helen, just to, to mention that you mentioned that the funds raised uh, in the sale of your book are going to rescue girls out of sex trafficking. And uh, the charity that you're primarily supporting at this stage is is Destiny Rescue. Uh, it's a it's a good thing to be able to uh, you know direct some funds that way. Uh, just goes to show that you don't necessarily need the finances from the sale of the book, but you've got the book there, and uh, you're there, and your heart is to actually help women on these what we're calling steady steps to women's financial independence. Uh, so uh, let me just point people to the website, uh, vision.org.au, and you'll be able to click on a link there to go to Vision Store, and you'll be able to get a hold of On Your Own Two Feet. The author is Helen Baker. And Helen, we have run out of time, and I want to thank you so much for taking the time today to come in and be a part of 2020, to share your insights, to share your wisdom uh, with so many of our listeners. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you very much for having me. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.